Okay, we're going to go ahead and get started this morning. So if you've been here and been coming, you know that we have been uh, doing church history uh, over the last several weeks now. And we're going to conclude today, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about how we got started and a little bit about uh, this church and kind of the, you know, the framework that we have uh, felt like the Lord has us really after studying a lot of people, a lot of churches, and thought about a lot of things, I guess you could say, uh, the reason that we do some of the things that we do. And hopefully that'll be helpful uh, for you to hear and understand. And at the, at the end, if we have a little time, um, we're going to talk for just a moment about how we're going to do our prayer and our community groups coming up. And so I hope you will be uh, able to, to pray with us today. I'm going to give you all an opportunity to do like short kind of sentence prayers. Uh, and uh, I'll kind of explain how that goes. So if we have time, we'll do that, and, and it'll, be, it'll be good. So let me pray for us. Father, give us wisdom and understanding um, as we seek to continue to do what you have called us to do uh, by your grace and for your glory. Pray that we would be a people who treasure the things that we, we see in your word and that we would... Um, be open to your guiding us or helping us understand more and more as we go along the way. We pray this church would be a light in this community uh, and to all that we influence uh, throughout the coming years as we raise up kids that are going to go out into different places in our world, and perhaps some of them as vocational missionaries and others as just missionaries in general to go and proclaim the message of the gospel. We pray that they would... Uh, would learn from what we are doing and then uh, grow in other ways from others that they encounter along the way. Always centering on the truth, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about my life and we'll kind of kind of how this started out uh, and what made me think about these things or consider uh, planting a church early on. And so I grew up at First Baptist Church Wake Village. That's not very far uh, from here. Uh, just a couple of miles from here, and then I served on the full-time full staff there for like eight years. And so I spent a lot of time working with students and uh, kind of in an associate role where we were involved in a lot of different uh, things. And, uh, and so I got to, you know, maybe work in all aspects of church life and think about it uh, during that time. Um, one of the things, just from the standpoint of teaching the Bible and preaching, if you will, uh, that helped me is I grew up with parents that listened to uh, tapes, like a cassette tape, of sermons all the time. And uh, one of the people that my dad had somebody when he was younger say, hey, you ought to listen to this guy. And his name was Cliff Palmer, and he lived in northwest Arkansas. And uh, he passed away a couple of years ago in his 90s. But he uh, preached through books of the Bible. And so my dad was really hungry to know the word. And he would preach verse by verse through books of the Bible, kind of like what we would do here. You might have heard somebody say or heard it called expository preaching. And so as a child, I would, my mom, when she was getting ready uh, in the morning or getting ready to go to bed at night, oftentimes I would hear uh, on these cassette tapes this guy preaching through the scriptures. And uh, I knew that um, I wasn't necessarily that interested all the time in what was being said. But I did know that uh, he preached with authority, you might say. And, uh, and it, I thought it was really helpful. So I visited, he kind of retired and then went back 
uh, to help this uh, small church that was kind of the area was growing in Northwest Arkansas. And he, they asked him, could you come help us for a little bit? And he was going to just do it for a couple months and turn into like several years. But anyway, at 19, uh, I went and visited with him one time and uh, I visited a number of churches up in that area. And when I heard him speak, uh, I could not believe not because he was a not because he was a great orator in the sense of like putting on a show, but because he, there was this understanding of the word of God that like blew my mind. And so I remember sitting there. I took a little notepad because my parents always carried a notebook. You know where we were. I took a notepad, and, and when I, we were done after he like preached for forty minutes or whatever, I had pages and pages of notes. And uh, I, I was amazed that somebody could speak in that way. And I thought in my mind at the time, which I, I always believed I was far from ever being a pastor, uh, never really would have ever chosen that route. And uh, I thought at the time, though, if you were going to do this, that's the way you would do it. You would explain the word as it's written so that people understand. You basically would help people learn how to read the Bible well. Uh, and that would change their life because the word of God is powerful and through the spirit he does do this great work and so I, I sat there in awe and I just couldn't believe it and after he you know I went and visited with him a number of times about different things but after visiting with him I thought I, I just think that that is important that people would know the word of God and, and you know sometimes like uh, in our culture and in uh, really maybe most churches or whatever you would go and they would like cherry pick verses so what i mean by that is like he would a pastor would have a topic that they want to talk about and then they would pull verses from that and then that's what they would do so the sermon would be a way in a way like if you listen to his sermons over 10 years you still might not know how the bible fit together you, you, I mean, that's just a reality now, you may know some doctrine and know what y'all believe, but you would not necessarily know how the Bible fit together. I didn't think that was a good thing because if you're going to know your God, you have to know what he said. If you're going to know what he said, you have to know how he said it. And so you follow the flow of thought in a passage, then you know more and more about God and therefore it changes your life more and more. And so I just thought that was really important. And I really, we're standing on the um, shoulders of others when we do that, because there are many who have taught through. Now, that is not to say there's never a time for a topic. That's not to say that there's never a time for like expressly like doctrinal preaching. But like over the long haul, I think if you're going to like teach people the Bible, uh, you have to Teach it in a way that God gave it to us. And so that's kind of what we do. If you want to create a cult, you just take a few verses and you keep pounding them in somebody's head until they all believe it. And then they think they know the Bible. If you want to malnourish people and keep them as infants, you can do that same thing. But if you want people that are eating solid meals, and as a result, just like whether you're exercising or eating right, they are growing and flourishing, I think you have to teach the Bible in the way that it was given to us. So, that makes sense why we did that? It was a big part of kind of, but, it, and so what happened was, is um, I of course heard this man and he was not alone, although he was alone in his circles, I think for the most part, but um, 
then I've heard about people like John MacArthur, Stephen Lawson, Tom Nelson, John Piper, and a host of other people, and Tim Keller. Some of you started listening to people, and I thought, oh, well, there are other people that teach through uh, the Bible and make reveal what God has said um, to us in a way that, like, they in a, I mean, the way that um, Grace to You calls it, like, unleashing God's truth one verse at a time. It's like the, the, it's so powerful. You're just wanting to. Uh, take all of those all the things that maybe hinder us from understanding and then make it a little more clear and then it'll do the work it's kind of the idea okay so I thought that was really helpful then I had this other person in my life that ended up uh, being involved in um, helping me understand a lot of things and I'm telling you all this to say this is why it's not all about me but this is why the church kind of functions in the way that it does uh, the other deal was like I really want to know how to study the Bible and I was not a great student uh, I did not work hard at learning. I just kind of thought, man, eh, I don't, I don't need that that bad. I'll do something else and figure it out and all that kind of stuff. And so, in school, I was not a great uh, student, and so I didn't pay attention to everything that I needed to, and I got by, and that was kind of it. But um, when it was time to start reading the Bible, I thought, ooh, I probably have to go back and think about being such a sorry student and become a better student, right? And I didn't really like literature, and I didn't really like reading lots of things, and I didn't want to read, like, uh, books that were, you know, I didn't want to read anything. I wanted to play outside, you know, and enjoy, our, we enjoyed ourselves as kids and outside and doing all that kind of stuff. So reading was not that important to me, unfortunately, I'll say that. So then I began to, uh, like I said, begin to think, oh, I need to, to study and learn, and I want to learn. I, I long to hear and understand God's Word. My dad comes to me one time and says, hey, there's this training on how to study the Bible in Dallas. Would you want to go? And so I said, well, sure, I'll go. And it was a uh, part of this ministry called Precept Ministries. And maybe some of you have heard of Kay Arthur. She was the founder of that. She and her husband founded it. But she was kind of the person that a lot of people would know because she, she did a lot of teaching. And they started out, it's kind of a youth study that she did. And then she did women's studies. And then it kind of, they began to touch all kinds of people. And they taught them how to study the Bible. And they used a method of, uh, inductive method of study where you would do observation, interpretation, and application. And so... As that, uh, I, I went to that course or whatever, in a crash course, I was, uh, I just remember thinking, oh my goodness, this is insane. But I started doing it, and I started working through these studies that they'd written, and they kind of done study guides for uh, all the books of the Bible probably now. At that time, they were still kind of getting there, but they, they did that. And so I began to um, see a process. And the process was, they had a study guide, there was discussion, and then... There was a lecture, and then uh, there might be some kind of application thing at the end. But anyway, in that process, I began to learn stuff, and I realized, like, just like when you, uh, I don't know, are driving a, a nail into something, and you're trying to put something together, you hit the nail, you hit the nail, you hit the nail, and then you drive it in, you know? And so that was just kind of like driving it into my head. And so I would study, I would go and meet in these discussions, I would listen to the lecture, and I started learning a lot about the Bible. And so that kind of really helped me. It made a big difference in my life. Then my mom was involved in a thing called BSF International, Bible Study Fellowship. Some of you have probably heard of that. And they follow that same pattern where they will do, uh, you will study at home, you'll have a discussion group, and then uh, there'll be a lecture that follows. And then they have a recap for the following week and you go through the process. 
And so that thing, that helped me think about, one, about how to teach the Bible, and two, how to study the Bible. And so I thought if you could bring those two things together, uh, that would be really good. And it began to kind of cause me this thing of like, what if a church was like that? I mean, that, that might be really, really good for people. If a church would do that, because I kind of, you know, the church, the, you know, you would have these small group Bible studies and the preacher preaching his thing and everything was, um, everything was different, you know, and so there was no continuity. And so I didn't really think that was that great because like I said, most of the preaching was topical and a lot of the studies were topical. And so the people were just, I don't feel like people knew that much about the scriptures and I thought that was unfortunate. Okay, so then, again, my father kind of said, like, I finished my bachelor's degree, and he was like, you should go to seminary, and as always, I'm not really big on going to school. I wasn't at that time. I would greatly encourage you to do that now. Um, but they have, I don't know if you probably know this, but like a Master's of Divinity, and they're, it's a 94-hour master's, so it's like three years of full-time school, and you go and study. And so he said, like, you would probably learn all that stuff in 20 years on your own, may have some gaps in there, but if you went and studied for three years, uh, you could learn it all quickly and digest it and kind of go from there. And so I was kind of convinced, I guess you could say, and I went and studied uh, for those time, those years. And one of the things that happened was uh, also, I realized that, um, you know how like Elijah thought he was on his own, all by himself? <laughs> That's how I thought about some of the ministry stuff because I was in, student ministry, which at that time was nothing but a entertainment. Okay, let me say this. Not just entertainment, but much of it was entertainment. Because people just wanted to say, like, my kids want to have fun, provide them a fun environment. It wouldn't be better for them to have fun in church than not. And that was kind of the way that people thought of student ministry or youth ministry or whatever. And so I uh, thought that was not a good idea because we're training People not to have fun. The church is equipping people with the truth to fight spiritual battles. Right? And that's kind of, you know, onward Christian soldiers. <laughs> you don't train soldiers with like throwing cotton candy at them and saying, like, aren't you really strong now and ready to fight the battles that you're going to face in life? That just won't happen. Nothing wrong with having a little fun, but that's not really the goal is to train them. It would be like trying to train an army that way. You want to train an army and be like, hey, we're going to goof off and you are going to have fun at basic training and afterwards it's going to just be fun. And you're going to sit there and play video games together. And then there's a war that shows up and everybody's <laughs> not prepared. You know, so that seemed done to me. Okay, so we started thinking about those kinds of things and I worked in the student ministry and did that. And then going into seminary, I realized I was not alone. And I began to uh, work with the, or go to school at a place where the professors were serious about learning the Bible and they studied it and they believed it was actually true and they didn't say things like, well, there's, you know, we don't know if this is true or that is true or what. It was like they believed the Word of God and they, uh, you know, they taught it well and I was really thankful for that and benefited from the 35,000 pages I was assigned to read. <laughs> you know, and it was a school like that, Southern Seminary, they thought, you know, you should have read. Uh, well, and they thought everybody, I guess, was a reader. I wasn't a reader or a writer. And so I got to learn about that. Um, and then, upon going there, I met Anna, which is the greatest highlight. And she was about to finish her Master's of Divinity. And she uh, also had been around 
people that really believe that churches church was about disciple making disciples and she wanted to give her life to that and was planning actually to do go on the mission field and by God's grace he moved in her heart and she, we got married a year later and um, we don't always agree on everything but here's the crazy thing about that uh, we do on the essentials and what happens is is um, since she has the same education as I do, like it can be for a great discussion on uh, all types of things. But I think she's extremely wise, uh, and I, you know, always want to know what she is thinking about something because she seeks to walk in wisdom, and she has the knowledge of the Word of God. And so we had the same heart to do the same type thing, and we just had a little bit different experiences, but they were still like in the same. I guess you could say the same kind of camp or whatever. And so that, that of course, you know, that's kind of our background and where we came from. And so she knew early on that I desired to plant a church. We did not know where, and we began to kind of struggle through that. And uh, one of the things that um, happened was we knew we wanted to do it with a team. So whether we hung out with some people in the seminary realm and they were like, hey, let's go and plant here, or if there was a place where there are a group of people that wanted to do that. And so seminary is about to end for me. She had a job at the seminary at the time, 2008 hits. Um, there's a major crunch financially. They started like, you know, there were a lot of jobs that kind of went away at the seminary. And so I'm about to graduate and her job is about to cease to exist. And uh, we knew we had to make a decision and um, there was a group of people here, just a small, 15 people or 20 people or something, that said, hey, let's think about starting a church in Texarkana. And so that's, uh, we came here. And so I've got to add one more thing about the whole thing. There was a church in, I didn't, I didn't attend there because Anna attended this other church and had deep roots there, but there was a church in Louisville, Kentucky, where I was uh, going to school, and it was called Sojourn Community Church. And they um, believed a lot of the same things that I kind of come to believe about what church ministry really is. But what happened was um, they had uh, a lot of people like working on those things. And so they had like experience that I didn't have, which was they had been doing it like five years and then adding a lot of the things in that, that we uh, that we do here today. And so they helped me think about uh working with children, training children, how to do a worship service that's God-glorifying, how to preach the Bible and all that stuff, and have those ancient roots, but like in a modern way. And so they kind of really helped me in that regard too. And so I, I got to think about a lot of things with them, meet with all their individual leaders. And it's kind of an interesting thing because all these guys were coming out of the seminary, working through all that stuff, and then this church was beginning to emerge. So they just had a lot of great people at the time. So I could, inter you know, I could talk to all them visit with them and so they helped me think through all that so uh back to the uh getting out of seminary thing and Anna's job ceasing to exist it was like it's time to move and we have to do something and because some people say like the lord told me the lord told me this the lord told me that the lord told me I, I i don't i haven't generally experienced things that way where the lord just tells me what the next thing to do is but the circumstances uh push us I guess you could say. So we moved to Texarkana because there was a group of people here. And then about the first 30 days in, I was like, this is stupid. <laughs> like, there's all these churches here. 
what are you doing? Like, don't do this. Like, this is crazy. This culture is like, not. they're not going to go for this. It's not the group of people that are going to want to um, do anything that I'm desirous to, to do. Kind of. So this is not smart. But about 30 days in, with uh, Suzanne Self was out of town this weekend, but with her, like, pounding on me, you know, she just... She kept saying, like, it's a, it's a good thing. It's something needed here. We need to do this, you know. So she was courageous when I was uh, not courageous. And Anna, I think somewhere in there beforehand, uh, Suzanne at one time said, I'm praying that God would lead y'all back here. And Anna was like, you're crazy, crazy, crazy. You know, go so crazy somewhere else. And so anyway, through all of that, I think she just, with her job ceasing, seminary stopping at that time, a group of people here, and knowing uh, there's somewhere in there God moved in her heart too, where she even urged me, you know, maybe as it was 30 days in, it's like, you, we got to move. You got to move on this. You got to decide what you're going to do. And so, met with that, a few people, and on July 12, 2009, we started Christ Community Church. Now, I want to talk to you about why we do, how we do, and that kind of thing, but um, that's, that's what happened. And uh, we thought, well, if it doesn't work out, we did the thing we think would be most valuable for a group of people. Because, you know, some people, just like in a business, like you can read quarterly reports, you know, like you could go and listen, you can listen to the CEO talk about their quarterly reports and how the business is doing and read like the Wall Street Journal and, and there's all these conversations about all this stuff. And that stuff is like doing like this and all that kind of thing. Like, uh, there's churches stuff like that too, where the church is up and down, up and down. Everybody's saying like, "What's happening right here?" And you know, what's relevant today? And da 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 da. We knew that we were going to when we started that it more than likely it would be a slow and steady work, and uh, it wouldn't be something that people were saying like, "Look at all that they're doing and making a big deal of." It would just be a slow and steady work. And so that's what we began to do. And uh, we wanted people to know um, the Word of God, and we wanted to teach them uh, to know their God and respond to Him properly. And so that's what we sought to do. And we thought, well, um, if, like I said, if it didn't work out, it didn't work out, but that's what we're going to do, whatever it takes. You know? So, okay. So now you, you might say, okay, well, talk to me about the structure of our church and how it's, we're, we've been talking about church history. So that's a little bit of history. And then, um, we, you know, we try to uh, think in terms of like biblical revelation and knowing that Christians throughout history, as y'all have been studying, uh, I mean, there's rarely you'll meet someone that says, I'm a Christian and I don't believe the Bible, right? So when you say, I'm a Christian and I believe the Bible, uh, you either say, and I'm going to study it all by myself and never listen to anybody and I'm going to know it better than anybody. Which sounds really arrogant to me. Or you say, throughout Christian history, let's think about like how people have thought about these different things. And so uh, I think you're testing all that by the Word of God and at the same time considering that you're not the only person that has sought to live a life to the glory of God. And so we've tried to look at different ways that people thought about things. And so the structure of our church, the way I would... Uh, think about it is um, one thing is like when you're thinking about like what do you believe well what really and some people divide it this way it may not be the best way but you got to think in terms of doctrine and practice so 
what do we believe about these key doctrines and then what do we believe about how this kind of fleshes out? And so that's one of the things that uh, we had to consider about like how are we going to interpret these things. Again, I had a background and, and other people that were coming into it did. But anyway, uh, one of the ways to help that helps you is looking at confessions. Um, and if you look at like, let's say from the reformers on those confessions, I don't know about, I, I'd have to go back and look at the things pre that. But a lot of times it's built upon the Apostles' Creed, the Ten Commandments, and the Lord's Prayer. And so those three things help you think about uh, how uh, about faith and practice. And so as a church, uh, of course, that was in our mind and our thoughts. Uh, you'll notice um, if you were to, to look at kind of, we have a basic statement. And then there's like the Baptist faith and message of 2000 that kind of was something that I grew up in under my tradition. We like thought, okay, I can... I can understand that. I can comprehend that and think about that. Uh, one of the things in our church we've used is the like New City Catechism, which kind of takes you through doctrine and practice over 52 weeks out of the year and helps you understand and think through uh, those things. And so we, again, we have a basic statement of faith, and then we kind of lean on these other things to help us uh, consider uh, how to explain and express doctrines and understand them. And so what we do in our uh, membership class, if you're thinking about it, uh, is in essential beliefs we have unity, so we have some basic beliefs that we seek to make sure that they're explained and understood. And non-essentials, which there's a lot of things uh, that are, you could say, secondary things. There's diversity, so there are things that people uh, here don't agree on, like maybe the end times or creation, or you know, there's a lot of lists of things you'd be like, they're not. There's just going to be difference of opinion. So there's diversity in that, and all our beliefs we promote love, and so we're not like. Hardcore, like, oh, everybody's got to believe exactly word for word like we do. There's a variety of people here uh, with a variety of different thoughts about things. We're okay with that. We really, at the end of the day, with us in doctrine and practice, we would say, in my mind, I always think in terms of like, if I think I'm going to be with those people in heaven, they're holding fast to Jesus Christ, they're trusting in Him, pursuing Him, loving Him. I don't know why I can't go to church with them on earth. It's kind of way I would think about that. Okay. Now, with leadership stuff, uh, we have elders, and so uh, we think that that a plurality of elders um, in Titus and in 1 Timothy, you see that. Uh, we think that's a, a model that you see in Scripture, and then we've recently, uh, really my fault, but we've recently, that we did wait, waited so long, but that we had, uh, we have deacons, and so I think of them as model servants and lead servants under the elders' uh, guidance and leadership, and so uh, that's kind of our doctrinal stuff, and then our leadership things that we kind of hold to. And then there are a series of uh, five things that um, really from that church, Sojourn Community Church, talked about that help you understand who we are and how we live. And one of those is we are learners. We really believe if you're a Christian, you're a Christian, uh, you have been given the spirit and you are uh, desirous uh, of to know the word of God, you could say. So you, you want to know. It's built within you. You want to understand the truth. That's how we would see that. Second Timothy two two, uh, Timothy is told to just uh, to, to basically teach these to to people you know that are, are around him to invest in them. Two fifteen says about leaders to study to show yourself approved as a workman who's not going to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. So we hold we understand that like we are able to study and understand. We know that three sixteen and seventeen of Second Timothy says. 
All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for proof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that you may be adequate for every good uh, deed, every good work. And so we thought, okay, we know that we are to be learning. That's part of what it means to be a church that's really sound and, and faithful. And so here's what we did. We followed that model that uh, Precept Ministries, Bible Study Fellowship, and some of these really good Bible teaching models that for, for the average person has been a part of for years and years and years. And uh, I'm sure you could go back into church history and see different types of models. But we saw this as beneficial. So we do a study guide. We have discussion. This is in the fall and spring. We have a sermon. And then in our community groups, our little small groups, we have these application questions. All like trying to drive that nail in so that you understand the truth, so that you grow up in the truth. And then in the summer, we've done these seminars, and they, they're kind of uh, in the 930 hour on different topics, different things. Sometimes we've done an uh, overview of the Old Testament, overview of the New Testament, church history, biblical theology. Uh, we, we've done a, a probably, I mean, there's just a long list of things we've done that we thought it will do two things. One, um, it allows some people that would not be able to speak to the church. It gives them an opportunity to publicly speak. That's a valuable thing. And it teaches uh, kind of comprehensively, as not totally comprehensively, but it teaches a subject that you might not cover if you're just going verse by verse through the Bible. So it gives you, it almost pulls together, what's the Bible teach about this? Or what, how did the church think about this doctrine or this thing? And so all of those things uh, are about what we do. We try to help you learn. We want, uh, we don't want you to be uh, ignorant of the, uh, about, about the word of God and about the truths of God and about where you came from. And we, we don't want you to be ignorant of that. We want our kids all the way up to adults to be learning. They use a, a curriculum for our kids um, that covers the whole Bible and major doctrines of the Bible. And it is a wonderful thing. And so everything here, we believe uh, that because God has put it within your heart by a spirit, awakened you to understand who he is and, and grasp those things that we, by the word and the spirit, we're constantly helping you grow up. Okay, I'm going to run out of time. Uh, the next thing is um, that, that kind of an identity, you could say, is that we not only are we learners, but we're worshipers. Like I said, we go over this kind of in our new member class, but um, there's a lot of ways that you can do worship in a church, like how you can gather and, and worship uh, throughout church history. Different things have uh, been a part of worship. Uh, we follow more along the lines of like what you would call and. and you can read, there's books that you can read on like this tradition worships this way, and this tradition worships this way, and this way, and this way. Well, we follow uh, a, a more like a reformed background a worship service, not holistically, but it's, it, and, and there's differences in all of that, but we follow what uh, Tim Keller calls, when he argues for it, he calls it a gospel reenactment service. And so it starts with a call to worship, and it declares who God is. And then there's a call to confession, and you're identifying, almost like Isaiah 6. Isaiah sees God. He recognizes who he is. So the call to confession is, before a holy God, I see I'm a sinful person. And then there's an assurance of pardon, which is, again, in Isaiah 6 too. But, but there's this assurance of pardon, and that is that in Christ, the promise is, if you put your hope in him, you will be saved. He has done everything so that we can be reconciled to a holy God. So that follows that pattern, and then you have the ministry of the word and the ministry of the table. 
which in the ministry of the word, the preaching of the word, we're expounding those truths that God is holy, man is simple, Christ is Savior. And uh, in the ministry of the table, we're saying, when people come to the Lord's Supper, we're saying to them, hey, you know what? God is holy, you're sinful, and the only way for you to be reconciled is through the shed blood of Christ. The body of Christ is broken, the blood of Christ is shed for you so that you can be reconciled to God. So that's a big deal for us. We, we think that's important. We follow that pattern. Uh, in our, in our um, new member stuff, it speaks of the audiences of worship, which this was a big deal. When I was growing up in church life, uh, the seeker-friendly movement was kind of had, had started. And you'll see this in churches all around. And the seeker-friendly movement goes like this. Um, what does the person that's not a Christian, but is, for whatever reason, they would frame it like this, is seeking after God, what would they want in a church service? What are they looking for in a church service? And so when that question is asked and you try to answer it, you say, well, our culture really likes to be entertained. We'll have the best entertainment. Well, our culture loves therapy. We'll have the best therapeutic preacher. You know? And so you're building all of that on those things. We, on the other hand, would say the first audience, if it's a worship service, we are not worshiping the seeker. The first audience is God. Uh, we are saying what we do in here, is it God friendly? Will God be honored by? It? Will people exalt God? Like are we the words that we say, are they are they God exalting those songs that we sing? Are they God exalting the preaching that's done? Do they exalt God? Do they reveal Him? Are, are they for His praise and for His honor and for His glory? And so we seek to do that. And then the second audience would be Christians. We gather together to inspire each other to run the race. The idea is you're out there running the race all week and this safe little, uh, I've heard people call it like a, uh, this safe house in the church is where you come here and we bandage you up and say, remember, we're in a war. I, I know it's difficult. I know it's dark sometimes. We remember that. Bandage you up, encourage you and say, get back out there in the battle. Get back out there in the race and then we'll come back together and remind ourselves. So it's to exalt God and to build up the church. To equip the saints. To furnish them with the things needed. To run the race corporately and then individually as you're living your life. And then thirdly, before the watching world, we know God will send lost people to us. We have children that have yet to believe the gospel and we want them to see who God is and then what it means for the body to minister to itself so that they are like a, the love of Christ in the midst of the body compels them. Is kind of the idea. Okay. The next step in that, like we are family, um, we understand, which is a really big thing, of course, in the New Testament, is we've been adopted into the family of God. And uh, there are all these uh, one another's, like 60 of them in the New Testament. And so we believe that this uh, family, or um, Ephesians calls it, this whole man is like being built up together. And what we do is, is we meet in homes together because we think it is really important 
almost like when you go to a, a family reunion and there's older people and younger people and middle-aged people, all these different people at different seasons of life. Uh, we really think it's important for all seasons of life to get together and to be able to inspire each other and help each other move forward and grow together. Some churches don't see it like that in the sense that, and, and we have times where we're divided, but they, they'll go somewhere and, and you go to the church and literally it's like uh, going to Dillard's. There's the kids department, there's the adults, there's the men's place, there's the women's place, there's the uh, whatever. I mean, I could make a lot, a lot of list of things. And so there's all that kind of stuff going on and, and there's, so there's not an environment where, for instance, the younger can look up to the older. Or like, with my boys, I want them to have the kind of relationship with people in this church that when they don't want to come to dad, at least they'll have somebody they can talk to. When, my, when I'm not a good example in areas, which is it's, that's going to happen, at least they'll see an example in somebody. You know, it's really valuable to me. I want to live life as a body that is um, that with those one another's where they're actively seeing the one another's playing out. They are seeing people ministering to each other, serving each other, blessing each other. And the only way that you can see that, and, and, and even like offending each other, the only way you see that really well, I think, is that you have to be in close proximity. Because if, if all I know is the back of your head, I don't know what's going on in your life. You know? And so that's a big deal for us. And then uh, we are servants. We, we do see that the scripture lays out for us that we all have spiritual gifts. If you're a Christian, God has gifted you with spiritual gifts. And you are to employ them. So we want the church to be able to, um, to employ those gifts. But you know what? In some church contexts, the way that people think about things is um, you hire staff to do it. It's kind of the way you hire them. We hired them to do this. And as a result, you think, we're not equipping them. Those people went off to school to get equipped. We don't do anything. Or if we do do something, we're not going to really think about handling that whole ministry or investing in this way or that way. We, we don't. We really believe that, like, for instance, first, I mean, Ephesians chapter 4 says, and he gave some as apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers, because they are evangelists and pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints in the work of ministry, the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of the faith. And, you know, and, 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 and the idea is, is like you're, you grow up the church and equip the church, and in equipping the church, the church functions and does the work that it's called to do. And so that's what we do. We seek to do that. We try not to do this thing of like, uh, you know, you got the hired hands and they do all the stuff and they are the hands, which is not, that's not really true. And it's not the right way. And so we think, hey, we are servants, spiritually gifted, the Spirit of God came down, Jesus sent the Spirit to dwell us and gift us to be uh, fully using our gifts. And um, you don't get the gift, you set it up on the mantle and set it there and go, how oh, nice, nice little gift. You employ the gift. And so the pastors and teachers and, and those things, they're helping you um, put those gifts and gifts into practice through the teaching of the Word. And then the next thing is we're missionaries. And the way I think about it, there's kind of this local 
uh, and global perspective for a church. You think locally and globally. Uh, I think you're always doing that. You're make, go make disciples is both like um, with your neighbor and uh, across the world. And we have this wonderful season. Like we're in this wonderful uh, time in history where uh, you can be involved in a lot of different ways. And so our church does um, not only encourage people to invest in their neighbor, invest in their co-worker, invest in those who they're leading, invest in their broader family. Uh, we also have ministries like Mercy Ministries, like Mission Takes Arcana and First Choice Pregnancy that we actively participate in and we are a part of. And there are other things that come along the way throughout the year. And then globally, um, we of course give to a number of missionaries. And we've one of the things that we did early on and we continue to do and still have a ministry like this has changed a little bit. But we, uh, one of the things that we've done is help train indigenous pastors, which has been a really helpful thing. Uh, recently, we've kind of had this ministry that we're going to be able to be a part of where there's a, a lot of people that are going down as dentists and they do this dental work. And then we have the indigenous uh, pastor training. And then it looks like there'll be a kids ministry element there, too, that we can do as they're doing that. So it kind of brings all of those things together. And so we, we see us um, as, like I said, both locally and globally thinking about missions and those kind of things. Now, we did this little thing that we were trying to think about, how do we explain this to people better, uh, what we do and why we do and all that kind of thing. And, and we, were, we were trying to pull it down a few years ago to what, what is it that we really try to do? And one is when we're trying to um, think about how to guide the church and, and teach the church and all that kind of thing, what we really want is Number one is clarity. We want you to understand the word of God. We want it to be clear to you. We don't want you to be in the dark. We don't. We, we would hate for you to be in the dark. And so we want clarity. Like uh, the Apostle Paul says, you preach the word in season and out of season. It says the church is the pillar and the support of the truth. And he's speaking of uh, the church in Ephesus. He had said, I did not fail to teach you the whole counsel of God, which to me shows it's a systematic way. And so he's explaining the word of God to them. So clarity is a big deal to us. We want you to know. We don't want you to be in dark. We want you to know and understand and love and cherish and grow in your knowledge of God. And then we have that community aspect because I think um, sometimes, I don't know if you ever experienced this in life, but uh, you just think, man, if I could just be with somebody that has lived that out, if I could just spend some time with somebody that's living that out or has lived that out or could speak to me about it, encourage me in it, uh, the community aspect follows where the Apostle Paul says, be imitators of me and of the Lord. Or follow my example and observe those who walked according to the pattern you've seen in us in Philippians 3 and 1 Thessalonians 1. It is for us, we think, you know what? You need, you need like instruction that's like this. And you need a place where you, imitation, where you can like see others. And I think that's built out, of course, in the New Testament, throughout the Bible. But I also think that it's, um, as you look historically and you look at different things that we've found, uh, that those things were essential for the church and kind of encourages it. So that's, uh, took me longer than I thought. So let's pray together and then you guys can meet us over there. Father, we thank you that you are a God who sees, you know where we are. You watch over us in ways that we are not even aware of. We thank you for doing that. Lord, we know that we forget that you are doing that. We forget that you see us and that you are um, never slumbering or sleeping, that you're always doing that. And we sometimes find ourselves thinking like, 
we, if we don't watch out for ourselves, then we're all alone in this world. And if we don't watch out for ourselves, we'll never get through this life. And we just confess that before you. Lord, I thank you for all the people in this church that have been willing to um, be a part of what we've done here. Thank you for how they have encouraged the heart, my heart, my family's heart, encouraged others here. Lord, we, we are thankful for that. And we ask that you would continue as we go through the, the rest of the time at this church, Lord, um, we just pray that you would just guide our steps and that we would um, be a church that is a light in the midst of a dark world. That we demonstrate a, a faith um, that, is, uh, that is holding fast to you in the face of all kinds of uh, pain or difficulties or strife. In Christ's name, amen.